amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We're talking guns, guts, and glory with Houston's top cop. This is the National Podcast of Texas, a production of Texas Monthly, the national magazine. Welcome, I'm Andy Langer. This week's podcast features just one guest, a national newsmaker at the center of the debate over guns, Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo. The Chief's Friday night Facebook post declared he hit rock bottom. It called out the inaction of politicians and linked the recent run of violence to ugly discourse ruled by what he calls new norms. It earned impassioned cheers and jeers, some wishing the Chief would run for office himself and others, like the NRA, questioning his record and his motives. We spoke to the chief late Tuesday evening about the Santa Fe shooting, what he'd like to see happen around the gun issue, his first 18 months on the job, and yeah, whether the chief has aspirations for elected office. So in addiction lingo, rock bottom is where things are dire enough that people are ready to make a change, and we just keep seeing rock bottom sort of move and reset, right? Yeah, well, that's, I'm talking about rock bottom for myself, and, uh, and I think that Mayor Turner's, uh, you know, here in Houston has reached rock bottom, and uh, and I think the, the the rocks that are hitting bottom are spreading quickly across this country, and it's time for us to act and demand action. That's a controversial thing. It winds up. It has wound up. Did you know immediately upon posting that what would happen? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because the truth of the matter is, I had, I had, uh, I started my day by being in Santa Fe, spent a, a big chunk, a good chunk of the day there, with uh, those heroes down there, that 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 beautiful community, uh, helping them deal with the aftermath of that in- horrific incident. Then from there, uh, late afternoon, we went to uh, to Galveston, uh, UTMB Galveston, to see John Barnes and his family. And, had a pretty emotional gathering there with about 50 of my cops from Houston that know him and love him and seeing their anguish and their concern. Uh, so the emotional toll after 32 years of seeing a lot of bad things, but never being at a at a mass shooting at a school built up in terms of the impact, right? Um, then I got back into the city with Matt Slinkard and Troy Finner, who were down there with me and Bobby Dobbins, another assistant chief, Matt and Troy are assistant chiefs. And we got back into the city late afternoon, like probably early evening. And then we had to go meet the families of the survivors of Houston police officers. The 114 officers were given their lives uh, that Friday for our annual memorial to remember our fallen heroes. And then you start thinking of all the officers that were murdered and wondered, have we done enough to try to keep guns in the right hand so we can cut down on the slaughter in our streets? And you know what? I, I've been speaking out for many years, but I'm not sure that anyone's listening. And I just felt that I, I, I'm on my wit's end. And 
So it's time to push and push hard and keep pushing until the pragmatic American people that we are win the day. And I think there's an awakening going on and it will happen. One of the juniors at Santa Fe said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. She posted that. And that's what this has been up until now, right? Yeah, and basically it's, uh, uh, you know, and I, you know, I, I think you guys have known me for a long time. It's, let's face it, uh, here in Houston, uh, our, our our mayor and our council house, they have to, they have to. There's no such thing as a safe district here, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to focus on delivering a good governance uh, to the people of Houston and focus on governance uh, and results. Uh, but when you go to the state and national level, uh, there's so many fiefdoms that have been carved out with the, with these safe districts that it seems like poli- public policy isn't being developed on the basis of the recommendations of uh, uh, experts for, on, and on gun policy. Those experts should include mental health experts. They should include uh, medical uh, trauma experts. They should include law enforcement experts, education experts. Uh, no, they make their decisions, in my estimation, on both sides of the aisle on, on a myriad of issues, not just this issue, on what appeases the base, because when you're in a safe district, everyone knows the big joke is, eh, the primary is the election. And therein, I think, lies the problem as to why we haven't gotten anything done. And that's why you're advocating the ballot box and ballot initiatives. Correct. And uh, why I'm advocating for people to... Uh, absolutely pay attention and vote. All of us. None of them, I mean, it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an obligation and a moral duty. So, Pretty quickly, you had to clarify that you're not talking gun control, and it seems semantical, but it's, it's an important distinction. Well, listen, uh, let, let's face it. People want to evoke reactions, right? I have never talked about gun control, uh, those are words that are being put in, the, in my mouth by the descriptions that members of the media decide to decide to use. You know, to me, it's not about gun control. It's about maintaining uh, access and having steps to uh, give access to firearms to law-abiding people of sound mind. Okay, that's not about controlling. And getting rid of guns, that's about keeping guns in the hands of the good guys. I mean, isn't that what we're always talking about? Uh, the good guys should have guns. Well, if the good guys should have guns, then we need a universal background check throughout the nation that is a one system with real teeth, with significant consequences. We need to have, if you're going to sell a firearm at a, at a gun show, you know, you shouldn't be able to say, well, I'm a private seller and then sell a, whoever has a thousand bucks, uh, you know, give them an AR-15 without putting them through a background check. That's just ridiculous. There are things that can be done. Everyone knows, and I think therein lies the frustration of a lot of people, including a lot of my friends that are salt-of-the-earth conservatives, great people, NRA members, and, and a lot of them that have given me feedback that say, this is not what we signed up for. This is not why we're supportive of the NRA. It's not a zero-sum proposition, and I'm hopeful that, uh, that they, they take back that once noble organization. At what point does the divisiveness that, well, I mean, there's so many sides and people are dug into those sides more than they've ever been. At what point does that divisiveness 
turn into a safety issue? Just the way we conduct our discourse right now. Well, if you read my post, all right, uh, the mean-spiritedness of the political discourse in this country, the way we talk about people, and I'm talking about leaders, elected leaders, uh, the name-calling, the the marginalization of people based on their religion, their nation of origin, the color of their skin, uh, you know, that kind of mean-spiritedness coupled with mental health issues in our country and the lack of mental health, you know, it kind of fuels the rage if we're not careful. And words matter. And so we need to start taking a step back, get back on our axis as a Judeo-Christian society, a society of faith where it's the only, you know, it's one of the few places on earth where everyone can practice their faith, follow their faith, uh, and and get back to what got us here, which is certainly wasn't the new norms that we have today, where it's okay to paint folks with a broad brush and and call them names and use adjectives uh, adjectives that we normally wouldn't that we have never used as a nation. And so um, I, I'm hopeful, especially when I see young people, that uh, this new generation, I guess it is a Z generation. I'm not sure. I'm running out of letters. But uh, they're not going to accept the status quo. They're asking questions, and they give me great hope. Young people, young activists give me great hope. What's it feel like personally when you look like you did today and the NRA is targeting you personally? Well, I'm not surprised, but they need to, they need to be very careful because there's a there, there are some legal limits to their mischaracterization uh they better be careful that they don't do things that will evoke a response that will end up doing harm to me and my family because they may be willing they may be able to bully other people but you know i've got i've got i've already had plenty of uh dear friends that are phenomenal attorneys that if anybody knows my history, I'm not afraid to fight back. So just they just need to make sure that they've got some real deep pockets, and I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to going after those deep pockets. So I believe I've been harmed, and when they're starting to set, and when they start uh, mis uh, misrepresenting what I say and taking things completely out of context, uh, uh, I'll be watching for that line, and so will my attorneys, uh, because uh, we got to hold them, we got to hold uh, people accountable and especially people that are trying to uh, garner a response is not in the best interest of public safety and the and the safety and the well-being of the people they're targeting. I mean, it's not like you have thin skin. It's not like traditionally you haven't been a target of criticism. Oh, God, no. There's criticism, and then there's outlies, outright lies and mischaracterization designed to evoke a response and the wrath of people that, if you mention anything about firearms, they don't even hear what you're saying. They don't even pay attention to your words, right? Uh, and that's what they're trying to do. And let me tell you, I'm not going to stand for that, and neither are my friends that are, that, uh, that are watching out for me. It truly is the third rail, right? I'm firearms at this point. Yeah, that's the third rail. But you know what, man? Uh, just pay attention to what's going on in the country. Uh, there, there's a new generation that's 
that's uh, that every year I think there's about three million kids that turn 18 or so. Uh, they're going to turn this country around because we're living in an upside down world where the the youth are the adults and the adults uh, we're all a bunch of cowards, me including. Shame on me that I haven't been more forceful in pushing back on on the false narrative that that we should take away guns and that's the objective of the police chiefs in the country. That's not our objective. It's never been my objective. Never will be my objective. Uh, and by the way, uh, I don't I don't back down from fights. Um, we'll just continue doing our job because we have a moral uh, obligation to do so. Uh, and if God forbid something happens to somebody I love, I don't ever want to have the burden of living with the thought that I didn't do everything I could. And I'll just close with this. My I have a card in my office with a picture of my father and my mother who left their 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 national birth in Cuba. Uh, by the way, you call me a communist is fighting words, but that's just the ignorance of people that know what they're talking. Know what they do not know what they talk of. But when I graduated from the California Patrol Academy in 1986, in August of 1986, my father gave me a card that said, "Congratulations to the graduate. He who he who perseveres triumphs." I persevered my entire life. Our nation's persevered for 240 years. We're going to go back to the values that got us to this point and the American people and the will of the American people that support the majority of these pragmatic steps to keep guns in the right hands will win the day. I'm sure of it, as I'm sure that the sun will come up tomorrow. What's the fairest criticism of you over this last year and a half or so? Fairest criticism. Uh, I always, you know, the good thing about me is that uh, if you followed me, uh, I, I equally piss off the left extremists and the right extremists, which tells you I'm doing something right. That means I'm, I must be t- doing something right. Uh, but uh, well, you tell me. You give me the criticism. I'll tell you which one. For instance, the Chronicle says he's hands-on, decisive, outspoken, a bit or unorthodox. Is that a fair description? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but they, they, they forget one thing. That approach has made me, uh, proved me to be effective. Say everything they say is true, but effective. Uh, and sometimes I do say things that, uh, you know, I, 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 that, I don't, that, that maybe the way I say it allows people to try to take it out of context. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can't argue with success in, in uh, Austin despite all the challenges. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Uh, you know, we have all these critics in Austin right now trying to act like, you know, the police department is broken. And they they may forget, but I don't forget, that I had Eric Holder, who uh, has been accused, Attorney General Eric Holder, former Attorney General Eric Holder, and Thomas Perez, who ran the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, on more than one occasion, point to Art Acevedo at major city chiefs meetings, which included the leaders of all the major cities in this country when we were having the 
the debates about police legitimacy and police use of force and tell all those chiefs, if you want to learn how to police in any constitutionally lawful manner as it relates to use of force and community interaction and things of that nature, go to Austin, Texas, and visit with Art Acevedo and his team. I mean, that's a fact, and I hope that Brian Manley, as he's having these meetings, reminds people of that fact. What are you most proud of in this last year and a half or so? Well, I'm most proud of the men and women of the Houston Police Department that despite the fact that the they are the they are so understaffed. A department that serves the fourth largest city in the country, right? Fastest growing big city of over a million in the country, has it has 300 fewer officers today than 20 years ago when we had 500,000 fewer residents. Geographically, 640 square miles is probably one of the biggest cities geographic in the country. You know, compare our staffing at 5,200 today to, to Chicago's with 248 square miles at about uh, 13,000 officers and a $1.6 billion budget compared to our $875 million budget. Uh, my first year here with this team, we had a, a, a Super Bowl. We had Jersey Gate with Tom Brady's jersey. We had officers shot, one paralyzed that we're still fighting for, and uh, Officer Cortez trying to, God willing, get him back on his feet someday after he was shot. We had a guy wanting to blow up uh, uh, statues here uh, who lived in a mansion in the Rice area, uh, right, and had a bomb-making factory. Uh, we had a little event that we called Harvey. Mm-hmm. That if you that that I told those officers uh, and my command team here, our command team, that they'll be talking about the response of this department for generations to come. And the question that I want you to ask yourselves leading into this, that we predicted as a team to our folks is going to be biblical in proportion. The, the challenge that we were going to have with the water that we felt and knew was coming. Well, I want you to ask yourselves, what do you want your your children, your family members, your friends, your children's children and their children to be told about this moment in time. And when you look at how this department, these officers that were put on 24-hour shifts that were out in deep waste, over their waste in water at night, in snake-infested and sewage-infested floodwaters, without the equipment, without the lighting, saving lives. While at the same time, not only did they take on a rescue role, they also maintained their safety and security role and where you didn't see the mass looting in this city, where all hands were on deck. I believe that the excellence of this department for the entire first year I was here, oh, and let's not forget after that we had a world a baseball playoffs, mm-hmm. the American League Championship Series, a World Series, and a parade of a million people. This department has shown the world that despite the fact that because of the revenue cap, that we're the only big city with this with this revenue cap that really makes us an artificially cash-strapped city, despite the revenue cap that keeps them from hiring the number of officers that are 
mayor so desperately in our council wants us to hire, despite the fact that they're so lean, they've not been out making excuses. They're out making a difference. And I take great pride in our men and women and what they've shown the world, the, the character of this department. What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night is that is the thought of that lone wolf that 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 attack that we know that may come that may come from you know an extremist uh, that may be you know a jihadist or it may come from a sovereign some sovereign citizen homegrown extremist that lone wolf that McWilliams type that was. If you recall, in Austin, shot up our city and uh, almost killed one of our uh, homicide detectives who was sitting on her front on the second floor with, well, and a bullet almost hit her in the middle of the night, uh, or the the rampage and by uh, some Muslim extremists in 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 San Bernardino. Those lone wolves that can go from, uh, you know, an ideological. Uh, believe that they need to do something and operationalize that ideology and that desire to create create uh, you know havoc and destruction uh, that's what keeps us all of us up at night here in Houston and and and, and trying to keep this city safe you know in, our, in my first year here we changed everything in terms of how we approach our crime fighting strategies and we were able to reduce murders by about 32, you know, or 11 percent, which is uh, that's 32 families that didn't have to suffer the loss of a loved one, and not to mention the economic toll. So, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a heck of a uh, 18 months, and I'm really proud of this team. Is that the biggest difference across your career that now that threat of the lone wolf, the threat of somebody who's ideologically or politically motivated and is going to act on his own and is therefore difficult to detect early on, that that's the danger that you didn't face 25 years ago. Yeah, no, those, uh, that's, that, that, that is a new phenomenon in our country. Uh, you know, the Brits have been dealing with it because of the troubles in Northern Ireland, some of that, uh, you know, violence and politically motivated violence and acts of terrorism uh, because of, of the troubles uh, the Israelis have dealt with it, other parts of the world have dealt with it, but it's now here in our, uh, in the homeland. And, uh, and I think that one of the things that we really have to worry about is that when we marginalize people based on their nation of origin or the color of their skin or the religion they follow, when people feel marginalized, and then you add, you got to ask yourself what came first, radicalization regardless of ideology or regardless of its extreme left extreme right religious uh, ideology what came first the ideology or mental illness you put all that stuff together and then you talk about the mean-spiritedness of our political discourse and debate in this country the way that we're painting people with broad brushes including police officers from the extreme left that want you to believe that you know law enforcement is absolutely broken when in fact this is the best generation of cops in the history of policing uh we've got a, we've got some knuckle draggers but guess what in this department or in most departments when we find them we get rid of them 
we've got to put away those broad brushes. I've said it before, and I've said it again. And we need to start judging people through the prism of the of the, you know the the content of their hearts and the uh, the 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 sum of their actions, right, and what they stand for. So uh, we've got to be careful because again, when you look at all these challenges, words matter, and what it now passes for. Uh, the new norm is just very disturbing to me. Your predecessor, Lee Brown, went on to become mayor. Have, have you considered public office? I have not considered public office. I've been, uh, you know, you guys are in Austin. You know that they have been accusing me of running for office now. They've been waiting for how many years? It's been 11 years. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm electable, uh, <laughs> even though I wanted to. Because to be quite frank with you, I'm too far to the left for the right. I'm too far to the right for the left. Uh, when Charlie Beck was leaving LAPD uh, at the end of May and sometime in June, when word came out that he's retiring, I got a lot of calls from people in California, politicals and others, that really wanted me to pursue that job. And here's the irony for the people that, uh, that, uh, that are listening. California is to the left what Texas is to the right. And this is from my heart of hearts. Both are uh, too extreme for most of us right now, right? But I know this, California ain't going to go anywhere towards the center in my lifetime. But Texas, whether we like it or not, is going to make this, and it's already happening, is going to start making this, this little turn towards the middle. It's going to find a sweet spot. And as great as it is to live here now, it's going to be not only the best place to live in this country, it's going to be the best place on earth. So I'm staying in Texas because I love Texas. I love our Texas values, but I love our Texas values that we've held dear uh, long before uh, the primary politics took over the political debate in this country and in this state especially. But that makes you electable somewhere down the line in a new Texas. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not interested. So don't. It's already get beat up enough. So, because you really enjoy being a cop. Oh, I love being a cop. I mean, I mean, hey, when Obama administration offered me uh, the ICE job, the one thing I had for the Secretary of Homeland Security and for uh, the people in the West Wing that we that I went and met with, I said, look, if I were to take this, you have to understand something. Uh, cops follow cops. You cannot change culture via memo from behind a desk and you know uh, at, at uh, ice headquarters or houston pd headquarters or austin pd headquarters uh you've got to be in the trenches with your cops and so if i were to take this job and if i were to be confirmed by the senate i will i want you to understand the only way i do it is somehow you figure out how to give me a badge and a gun and uh, make me not a the ICE director, but ICE director slash, oh, he's a HSI agent or something, because, uh, you know, uh, cops really like to follow cops. And uh, what I love about Houston is that uh, I've been here for a year and a half, and uh, my cops are finally starting to realize, hey, this guy actually knows how to make a stop, handle a, you know, handle a call. Uh, and uh, they gave me a, a nickname early on uh, when they – I don't travel with the entourage most of the time, and they started calling, "Hey, chief, if we tell you our nickname, will you be, <laughs> will you be offended?" They go, "Hey, whatever, as long as it's not uh, mean spirit." He goes, "Well, sir, 
you know, we have demonstrations. We remember we were having demonstrations that, uh, the, my first summer here. And there's st- we're starting to call you Artie, the one-man party. You show up with your PR-24, your radio, your vest on, and your, and your uh, patrol uniform, and you're ready to roll. And I said, my friends, let me tell you something. Every, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. That's why when I actually get to find some bad guys and put them, put them in jail like we did a few months ago, like what four or five weeks ago, uh, where I was able to, there's a hundred cops out there, and I was able to catch myself a carjacker wanted for several armed robberies. And uh, after I caught him by myself and took him into custody, and my sergeant comes up and says, "Chief, this is kind of embarrassing. I've got a hundred of my guys out here, and my chief found them." You know what? Because because I'm not, I, I made my title may be chief, but my my absolute authority in the penal code is peace officer, and a peace officer is one that should assume that role from the day they say I pro, I, I solemnly swear that uh, rather than swear from the path of duty, I will lay down my life. It should be from day one until the last day you walk out the door for the last time. There you go. Thank you. There you have it. There's more about the chief, the Santa Fe shooting, and the gun control debate at TexasMonthly.com. You can also find the June issue of Texas Monthly featuring our guide to the Texas coast on newsstands now. And if you've made it this far into our podcast, consider subscribing on Apple, on SoundCloud, or Spreaker. I'm Andy Langer, working with producer Brian Standifer. Thanks for being here, and thanks in advance for coming back next week. You've been listening to the National Podcast of Texas, a production of Texas Monthly, the national magazine. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.